Hey, welcome. Thanks so much for uh, joining us this morning, um, for clicking in online uh, from wherever you are around the world or Grand Prairie area as well. Um, so this morning, uh, I want to do something just a little bit different than um, we've done up to this point. Um, we are in our series about uh, the persevering heroes of the Bible right now. And this week, we're looking at the life of Jeremiah. And so I want to summarize the life of Jeremiah. And I thought that this week, I would tell it to you as a story. Um, because I know that my kids, Ryler, Keenan, Zeke, and Eliana, hey guys, love you. I know they're all watching. Um, and I know there's other kids watching as well. So I've kind of written this with my kids and other kids in mind. So uh, for all you kids watching, this is for you. And for all you big kids as well. Who doesn't like a story, right? Um, so, side note, for the sake of time and clarity, um, I'm not covering all the things that happened in the book of Jeremiah or in Jeremiah's life, um, and I am simplifying some things that have a lot more depth and complexity to them than I can explain in, in this time. So, just a side note in case you're wondering. Um, and I do have some application points after the story is finished as well. Um, but before we begin, let's just take a moment to pray. Lord God, we thank you and praise you so much for your goodness and your grace. Um, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And we lift his name high in glory and honor. Lord, we thank you for this, this church, this body of believers that we can even join online. Right now, And we lift, we lift up Ruth and Stan and, and the family um, before you right now, God. Um, our hearts are mourning and grieving with them um, and the grandkids and everybody, Lord, but we do not mourn like the rest of the world who have no hope. We have a hope, and we praise you, God, that Stan placed his hope in you. Um, so we pray in the name of Jesus that you'd bring peace and hope and love uh, and comfort on the family um, in this time, right now, in this moment, God, would you hold them tightly in your arms? Lord, and we thank you for your word that is truth. We thank you for the life of Jeremiah, God, and as we look at it, I pray that you would open our eyes to see things. You would give us understanding and insight into who you are and how you operate, God. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. You can... Um, Sit back, relax, you know, close your eyes if you want to as, as I tell you the story of Jeremiah. So there was, a long time ago, a boy um, named Jeremiah who lived in the land of Israel. Now he lived in a city named Anathoth, which was about three miles north of the great city Jerusalem. And one day God spoke to Jeremiah. And he said, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. And before you were born, I chose you, Jeremiah, to be my messenger to the nations. Oh, sovereign Lord, Jeremiah replied, I can't be your messenger. I'm too young. I'm just a teenager. Don't say you're too young, God replied to him, for you must go wherever I send you. And do whatever I tell you. 
And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. And he touched Jeremiah's mouth and said, I have put my words in your mouth. Then the Lord showed Jeremiah a vision of what was going to happen in the future. He showed him a big boiling pot that was about to be tipped over and poured out. And it was tipping down from the north. And God told Jeremiah that from the north, a nation would come and punish his people because they had turned their back on God. They had started to worship fake God, false gods. They'd gone up to a tree and said to the tree, you are my father. They had taken a rock and set it on a high place and said, you are my mother. You see, God had sent many messengers before to tell his people to stop worshiping rocks and trees and false gods. But they didn't listen. They killed God's messengers. And now God was telling them they were going to be punished if they didn't stop doing wrong. Because he wanted them to change their ways and come back to him. He told Jeremiah to say to them, Come back to me. I am merciful. Admit you have sinned and done what was wrong. Come back to me, says the Lord, and I will heal your wandering hearts. Come back to me. I long to hear you say and call me your father. I want to bless you and give you good gifts, but come back to me. Turn from your sin. But the people didn't listen. They didn't listen to Jeremiah's message. They said to one another, we have done nothing wrong. So God warned them again, change your hearts, surrender your pride or my anger will burn against you and that fire will not be quenched. But still the people didn't listen. Jer Jeremiah grew up into a man and he continued to preach God's message. But you know, the people didn't like it. They got very angry at Jeremiah. They were tired of hearing the same message over and over. The men of Anathoth, even Jeremiah's own brothers, made plans to kill him. They had said to each other, let's destroy Jeremiah in all his words. Let's cut him down so he will be forgotten forever. But the Lord warned Jeremiah and protected him from their plan, just as he had promised. For God always keeps his promises. One day, he had Jeremiah buy some new underwear. Yeah, underwear. God got Jeremiah to go buy some new underwear. Now, God was trying to get the people's attention. So he had Jeremiah do some things to try to get their attention. So Jeremiah went and bought a brand new pair of underwear. And he wore them for a day. And then the Lord told Jeremiah... Go and bury the underwear by the rocks by the river. And so Jeremiah did. He took and he buried it under some rocks. A long time later, God said, Jeremiah, go dig up that underwear that you buried. So Jeremiah went. He uncovered the rocks and dug it out. And you know what he found? That it was spoiled. It was dirty. It was rotten. It was stinky. And God said to tell the people, that they will become like this underwear if they don't stop sinning. 
good for nothing. You can't wear it, only to be thrown away. But the people responded to Jeremiah, don't waste your breath. We will continue to live as we want. On another occasion, God told Jeremiah to buy a big clay jar. So he did. And he took some of the leaders and the priests out of town to the garbage dump. Now, see, it was at the garbage dump where they had been worshiping these false gods. And they had even sacrificed their own children to these false gods of Molech and Baal. And while they were all watching him, Jeremiah lifted up the pot and he smashed it on the ground. And he told them, this is what the Lord says. As this jar lies shattered on the ground, I will shatter you for the sin you have committed. Now the leaders did not like what he said. So they arrested him and they beat him with whips and they put his hands and his feet in stocks and left him there overnight. Now Jeremiah, he cried out to God in his despair because he was ridiculed. He was hated. He was beaten. He was despised by his own people. And no one was listening to his message. But he cried out to God, Oh Lord, if I decide I will no longer speak your name or deliver your messages, a burning fire rises in my heart within my very bones. I don't have the strength to hold back your words. I cannot contain what you have for me to speak because you, Lord, are with me. He could not stop proclaiming the truth. He could not stop warning his people to turn away from their sin. And so Jeremiah was directed by the Lord to write down everything that he had said and did into a scroll and read it allowed to all the people in hope that somebody might hear it and turn from their sin. So Jeremiah got his friend Baruch to write down all of his words and read it to the people. So Baruch read the, the scroll in the streets and he read the scroll in the temple and the people heard it and they said, the king will probably want to hear this. So they came and they took the scroll and they took it before the king and they read it before the king. Now, it was winter, and the king was sitting beside a fire as the scroll was being read to him. Now, after each section of the, roll, the scroll had been read, he read the first part, and the king came over, and he cut it off, and he threw it in the fire. And then they read the next section, and he cut it off, and he threw it in the fire, until eventually the entire scroll had been burned up in the fire. Everything Jeremiah had said and done, the record of it, the king cared nothing about. And he destroyed it so that no one else could read it. And the king was angry at Jeremiah, so he sent men to find Jeremiah and Baruch. But the Lord warned them and protected them, just as he had promised, and they hid. And then you know what happened? God got Jeremiah to write another scroll with everything that had happened and everything that he had said and was going to say. And he added one more section that wasn't in the original scroll. And it was a prophecy against the king who had burned the first scroll. 
that he would be punished for what he had done, for not listening to God's warning. And Jeremiah continued to warn the people to repent and confess of their sin. He would say this, If you stop sinning and begin to obey the Lord your God, he will change his mind about this disaster he has announced against you. But they didn't listen. Are you noticing a pattern here? Now because the people had not listened to the Lord's very persistent messages from Jeremiah, a great army from the north came and attacked You remember that big boiling pot tipping down from the north? This boiling pot represented the army of the great Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar surrounded the city of Jerusalem and everybody from the surrounding countryside fled to hide and take refuge in the city. And Nebuchadnezzar did everything he could to try to break into the city. He was building up siege mounds, which was big piles of dirt and rock to try to get over the city. He was bashing at the wall trying to get into the city. Anywhere they could find a weakness. And the people within the city came to Jeremiah in fear. What do we do, they said. Ask the Lord, what should we do? For we're surrounded on every side. There is no escape for us. And Jeremiah said, okay, I'll ask the Lord for you. And the Lord spoke to Jeremiah and told him to do this. Build a yoke. Now a yoke was a wooden board that he put across his shoulders and that you could hang big buckets on so that you could carry heavy loads, water, dirt, rocks, whatever it was. So the Lord told Jeremiah to build a yoke. So he went and he built his own yoke. And he carried it and he walked through the streets and he walked through the temple. And this is the message he said from the Lord. Surrender to King Nebuchadnezzar and your lives will be spared because this is God's plan for your discipline. But again, they didn't listen. They threw Jeremiah in prison because they didn't like what he said. Now, there were some evil men in the city and they went to the Judean king of the city King Zedekiah. And they said to him, Oh, great king, Jeremiah must die for telling us to surrender because our soldiers are going to lose morale and not want to fight anymore if he keeps saying these things. They said, Do you remember we killed the prophet Uriah because he said the same things as Jeremiah, so we must kill Jeremiah too. And the king replied to them, He said, Okay, do as you please. I can't stop you. So they took Jeremiah. And in the prison, there was an old cistern, which was a big pit that they used to hold water. And they threw Jeremiah into this big pit. Now, because it used to hold water, there was a thick layer of mud at the bottom. And when Jeremiah hit the bottom, he sunk deep down into the mud. And they left him there to die. But God had promised to be with Jeremiah and protect him. And God always keeps his promises. And so he sent a friend, an African friend named Ebed-Melech, to help Jeremiah. Ebed came before the king and he said, King, you can't let this evil thing happen. Jeremiah will die of hunger and thirst in this pit. And the king said, okay, go pull him out. So then Ebed-Melech went searching through the king's palace 
and he found some rope. And then he kept searching because he was looking for something specific. And under the treasure room, he found a room. And in that room, he found cloths and rags. And he took those to Jeremiah. And he threw them down into the pit and said, Jeremiah, put these under your arms so that when we pull you out with the rope, it won't burn through or hurt you so bad. So Jeremiah put them under his arms and they wrapped the rope around him. And it says that with the help of 30 men, Ebed-Melech pulled Jeremiah out of the mud. Jeremiah must have been really stuck. And even though the king consented to spare Jeremiah's life, he threw him back in prison. And for two and a half years, Jeremiah waited in jail, still warning the people, telling them to surrender and repent. Um, and King Nebuchadnezzar was still attacking the city. Jeremiah warned them, if they did surrender the city, then it wouldn't get burned down and that they would um, still keep their lives. But they didn't listen. The people didn't listen. The king didn't listen. And after two and a half years, King Nebuchadnezzar finally broke through the wall. He broke down a section of it and his army came charging through. They burned the whole city with fire. They captured all the people. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent his whole army around the city to push down and knock down the wall everywhere so there was no part of the wall standing anymore. Some of the leaders of the city tried to escape under cover of darkness, but they were chased down and either killed or captured. King Nebuchadnezzar's general destroyed the temple of God. They stole all the special things that were inside it. They chopped up all the large gold items and carried them away, and then they burned the temple and the city to the ground. And while they were doing this, they came across Jeremiah in prison, in chains. Now, because Jeremiah had been telling people to surrender to King Nebuchadnezzar, they actually looked at him with mercy and they let him go. They released him and told him, you can go in anywhere in the land. You can stay here. You don't have to come uh, with everybody else who were capturing, taking them back to Babylon. So they let him stay in the land. Jeremiah decided to stay. And the only other people that stayed in the land that were left there were the poorest of the poor, the most poor people. And King Nebuchadnezzar let them stay there under supervision of his governor, um, Gedaliah. And they were left there to take care of the farms and the vineyards. And they were supposed to give a tribute to King Nebuchadnezzar of all the best crops and produce of the land every year. And you'd think at this point, there's not a whole lot more that can go wrong for Jeremiah. But the people who were left living in the land, the poorest of the poor, they rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar. They assassinated his governor, Gedaliah, and they kidnapped Jeremiah, and they ran away to Egypt because they were now afraid of King Nebuchadnezzar. Jeremiah had warned them, no, don't run to Egypt. But again, they didn't listen. And our story ends with Jeremiah living as an old man, living out the last days of his life in Egypt, waiting 
and warning continually, telling his people, turn away from your sin, turn back to God. How would you feel if you had one message to deliver your entire life, to give to your people, to give to your family, to give to your friends, but no one ever listened to you? Do you imagine that Jeremiah was discouraged? Do you imagine that Jeremiah might have got frustrated and angry? But what I find fascinating is that Jeremiah remained faithful till the end. He continued to proclaim God's message. Through all the trials, through all the um, adversity and them trying to kill him, he remained faithful to proclaim God's truth. Even though he was one of only three people, his friend Baruch and Ebed-Melech, the only three people that we see that, you know, are kind to Jeremiah. How did he do it? How did he remain faithful through so much, so alone? I believe that Jeremiah held tightly under the promises of God. You remember at the very beginning, God said, I will be with you and I will protect you. There's other promises that God made to Jeremiah as well, and I want to look at one of those before we end. Jeremiah wrote a letter to all the people who'd been taken to Babylon. When they all got taken away over there, Jeremiah's like, hey, I'm writing a letter for them. God directed him to write them, write them a letter to give them hope. And this is what he said. We find it in Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah 29, starting in verse 10, he says, this is what the Lord says. Only when 70 years of captivity in Babylon are over, then I will fulfill my promise to you and I will restore you to your homeland. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I have plans to give you a hope and a future. When you call out to me in prayer, I will hear your prayers. And when you seek me in prayer, and worship me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me, says the Lord. God made a promise to his people that after 70 years, they would come back and return to their homes. And then we see this famous verse that I think we've all heard quoted at some time or another. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And I believe that we as believers can hang on to that promise as well ourselves here and now. And this is why. This verse, this promise was given to his people, his nation of Israel. And we see something fascinating if we look at Ephesians 3 verse 6. It says this, this mystery is, so this is the mystery, that through the gospel, the Gentiles people who are not Jews, people who are not Israelites, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, one family, and sharers together in the promise of the gospel through Jesus. We are part of God's family, part of his children. And in 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says, all the promises of God, Every promise that God has made finds its yes 
in Jesus Christ. And that is who we are in as believers. We are in Jesus Christ. So we have been grafted into the nation of Israel. We are heirs. We are children. We are adopted into God's family. And the promise he made to his nation, to his people, now applies to us because that is us. That is the graciousness and the grace of our Lord and God to bring us in, to adopt us in. But even just think of that. Think of what we know of Scripture. His promises to give us a hope and a future. Is that not true? Is that not true? Is that not what we see in heaven? Is that not what he says when he says, everything I do for you is for your good. I will work everything for your good to grow you, to mature you, to refine us. Yes, I take this verse for us who believe in Jesus today. Not originally given to us, no, but now we have come late to the party and we can hang on to this. But the nation of Israel had to go through some hard times before they saw the fulfillment of this promise. And we may be in the midst of hard times right now. You may be in a place where you don't think that it could get much worse. You might be like Jeremiah, stuck down in a muddy hole, just waiting to die. But take heart. God always keeps his promises. He has a future full of hope for you. You might not see it now, but God always keeps his promises. Let's pray. Father, you are so good and your ways are so beyond our ways. We thank you for the promises that you have given to your people that now extend to us. Lord, it is a mystery and we thank you for it. And that mystery is revealed in your son, Jesus Christ, who we prize and we praise above all else. I pray that we would run to him, that we would seek after him with all our hearts because you've said those who seek me with all your heart will find me. We thank you, Lord. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.